Good evening. Uh, thank you very much for coming today. And I have a very exciting sermon to preach today. Um, if you don't know already, the topic of my sermon today is the fall of Samson. Like, you know, when people say when you give titles to your sermon, don't give the ending, right? But, you know, I think because this story of Samson and Delilah is so popular, everybody knows that Samson falls at the end, right? So that's why I title it The Fall of Samson. Okay, um, and you know that this Samson and Delilah story, everybody here knows Samson and Delilah, everybody has heard, you know, even if you're not a Christian, you've probably, if, if you've not heard stories about it, you've probably heard songs as well, right? So there's this particular song um, that, that I'm going to sing for you. Um, not sure how many of you know this guy, Neil Sedaka. Um, so most of you, some of you are like, who? Um, but, but I'm sure those who are in the Golden Eagles definitely know this song. Um, I'm going to sing, I'm going to attempt to sing this song, okay? Uh, uh, so, so cheer me on, cheer me on. So this song, because Samson and Delilah is so popular, I thought let's start with a song. That This song, I, I, the reason why I know this song is because my father likes to listen to this song. So every time we travel in the car, I have to hear his selection of music. So this is one of the songs that, that I will have to hear. So the song goes like this. It goes, run, Samson, run, Delilah's on her way. Run, Samson, run. You ain't got time to stay Run, Samson, run On your mark, you better start I'd rather trust a hungry lion Than a gal with a cheating heart Ah, I see, I see most of you actually know the song Okay, so, so you, um, the reason why most of you may not know this song Is because it was actually released in 1959 So most of you maybe not even born yet You don't know this song But even as you hear the songs um, that, that are, are showed Or even stories that you talk about Samson and Delilah Most of the time Oh, which you prefer to use the mic, okay Hi, hi, hi. Okay, let's, let's, okay, we use the mic. Okay, we use the mic. Uh, most of the time, we sort of, you know, have this um, image that Delilah is the bad one, right? Every time, even hearing the song, you know, the way the lyrics is done is as if Delilah was the one that, you know, is the, the bad one. He, you know, he rather trust a, a lion than trust a woman with a cheating heart. So right now, I'm going to get you all to kind of think. You've heard the story of Samson and Delilah. Who do you think... Whose fault do you think it was for Samson's fall? Who do you think it was? Now, I'm going to get you guys to vote. I know some of you have voted. Some of you missed out voting. Uh, but you get your opportunity to vote today, okay? It's going to be interactive. You cannot stand on the fence. You have to vote, okay? It's important to vote. So I'm going to get you to vote. Whose fault do you think it was for Samson's fall? Was it Samson or was it Delilah? Okay? Think, think. Okay, who think it was Samson's fault? Put your hands up. Okay? Okay. Who thinks it's Delilah's fault? Oh, quite a few. Well, the women, they're the ones who are putting their hands up. Okay, okay. Quite a few. Uh, I'll tell you the answer later. But as we listen to the message, perhaps you will make the decision for yourself who is the one um, that is to blame for Samson's fall. Before I start, maybe let's go in a word of prayer. Okay? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us. Thank you, Lord, that it's a wonderful month of December and that your presence is with us all through this year. But, Father, Lord, I just pray that even as this message is preached, I pray, Father, Lord, that you say something to each and everyone seated here, that you will give them a message towards the end of the year, something that they can take home and something that will bring a change in their life. So use me, Lord, as your mouthpiece. Give me the authority. Give me the power to speak. Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Lord. Amen. Okay, I, I'm not going to just take it uh, that everybody knows the story of Samson and Delilah. Just in case, I'm actually going to narrate the Samson story, okay? Um, so maybe you can uh, get to your Bibles. We're going to be reading Judges 16, okay? Uh, turn to your Bible. Okay, there are 31 verses. I'm not going to read 31 verses, but I'm going to practice my, my storytelling, okay? See whether I can pass, okay? Because I have to tell stories to my kids, right? So see whether I can tell the story properly. So the story of Samson. Now, last week, you heard about the birth of Samson in Judges 13 to 15. You heard from Pastor Aaron, Pastor Sam Kyung. They talked about the birth of Samson all the way to the exploits of Samson. Judges 16 is about the tail end of his life, what happens to him, Okay. So I'm going to start, okay? I'm not going to read all 31 verses, but put your hands on the Bible so that you can kind of cross-check what I'm saying is right, okay? So verse 1 starts off with Samson and a prostitute. Now Samson goes all the way to Gaza. Now Gaza is uh, somewhere about 40 miles away from his hometown. It's pretty far. It's, uh, it's one of the strongholds, uh, one, of the, one of the five cities strongholds of Philistines. This is where um, Samson goes and then he sees a prostitute there and he decides to sleep with her, right? And they start off that way. Wow, what a, what a way to start off the story, right? And then after that, he talks about Samson um, was almost ambushed by the Philistines because obviously, you know, Gaza is the enemy uh, territory and so they were waiting to catch Samson. But Samson got smart. You know, they said, oh, at dawn, we're going to attack and we're going to ambush Samson. But Samson decided to leave midnight and he rushes off and he actually um, picks up the gates of the, of, of the city and then he runs to the hill. I have no idea why he did that, but most probably he was trying to demonstrate his strength or maybe to embarrass the enemy, right? So he does that and he managed to escape the Philistines from capturing when he was in Gaza. And then we move on to verse 4 where he actually meets Delilah. Samson meets Delilah. You know, Harry met Sally. And, and this time is for real. He, he falls in love with her. And, and you know, in the Bible, um, when I check out the word love, was it like, you know, did he puppy love? Did he kind of like sort of, some of you know, affection towards? He used the word love. The same word that was used when they said Isaac loved Rebekah. So, so this is showing this is the real one, okay? This is the girl that he really loves. So Delilah is the love of his life, and he meets her. But unfortunately for him, Delilah, um, she has a plan and a plot with the Philistines, the enemy, right? And, she, she, and the Philistines tell her, you know what? I'll pay you silver, a lot of money, if you can tell us what's the secret of Samson's strength. And, you know, I'm not saying that Delilah is a gold digger, but she gets to work immediately. So immediately she sees Samson and she, she doesn't even bother to hide it. You know, she point blank asks him, um, tell me the secret of your strength and how can we subdue you? And, and that's what he does. And, and for three times, Samson actually, you know, kind of tricks her. He doesn't give her the right information. He gives her wrong intel, right? First he says, oh, you know, if you tie me with new ropes, um, uh, maybe my, my strength will, I'll lose my strength, right? And then she, she tested, she tried ropes on him and then she called the Philistines to come and catch him. But every time, he, the, you know, she gives wrong intel because Samson keeps tricking her, right? So it seems as if Samson is the one that's tricking her. But by the third time, 
Delilah goes, you know, women, uh, being women, they're like, you don't love me. How can you say you love me if you don't tell me the truth, right? Um, I, I'll try that on my husband, but it doesn't work. Um, I don't know how many of you women have tried that to your husband. You don't love me if you don't buy me this. Um, so it doesn't work, okay? Only to some men. It only works to some men. So, so that's what he does to her. And he actually tells her the secret of his strength. And then, lo and behold, obviously, because he told her the secret of his strength, um, the Philistines come and they capture him. And Samson thought, wow, you know, I'll just escape like how I used to. But instead, he does not because he loses his strength. God leaves him. And so the Samson catch him and they bring him all the way back to Gazara and they shackle him with bronze and, and they, they gorge out his two eyes. You know, so, so brutal, right? They gorge out his two eyes and he ends up being a slave. Very sad, right? Very sad. That's why the fall of Samson. But then one day, the Philistines, they were like, you know, let's have a party in their temple. And they decided to, you know, to celebrate to their gods. And then they, they were like, you know, let's bring out Samson. Let's humiliate him. Let's make fun of him. Let's get him to parade and, and perform for us. And that's what he did. But Samson, it's been a while and his hair was beginning to grow. And Samson then put his hands to the two pillars I can't put my hands because I'm holding a mic. Two pillars. And he prays to God one last time. He says, God, sovereign Lord, give me strength so that I can, you know, bring down and get revenge for the Philistines for my eyes. And he pushes the pillar and the whole entire foundation collapses and kills all 3,000 men and women, including Samson himself. I mean, I don't know what kind of architecture that was, but it was a great feat for him to, you know, I don't know, look at these buildings, about 3,000 people can sit here. But he managed to bring down the entire building. And he was said that he killed more people when he died than when he was living. And so, Samson manages to get his revenge and he kills everybody, right? So that is the tragic life of Samson. Now that you've heard the story a little bit more, do you, do you think Samson uh, was the one at fault or was it Delilah? Maybe some of you are still on a fence. Okay, let's get to my sermon, okay? The fall of Samson. Okay, my first point. I believe the fall of Samson was due to the lust of his flesh. What do I mean? We read that even before Delilah came into the picture, Samson was already on the path to destruction. Now, what do I mean? Let me just read Judges 14 verse 1. It says here, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Obviously, he saw a good-looking woman. He wanted her as his wife, even though his father and mother said, please, go, go and find someone, your local girl. Why must you intermarry with, with them, right? And so he insisted, you know, I, I saw her, I want it, I want to get married to her. And in Judges 16 verse 1, this is just before he met Delilah. As you know, he went to Gaza. It says, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. As you can see, Samson is very about the looks, okay? It matters to him. Um, there's nothing wrong with, with men uh, liking their girls to look pretty. Uh, my husband likes his women to look pretty too. But, but, but you know, for Samson, it was very important. It was so important, it was almost the be-all and end-all. And so, even though he was in enemy territory, he was so brave. He was, he was willing to sleep with a prostitute and, and, and who knows, he could have been ambushed and, and captured there. 
But it didn't matter because what he saw was more important, the lust of the eyes. Not just the lust of the eyes, but it was also that he was also very highly sensitive to sound. And we look here in Judges 14 to 17, it talks about him and his first wife. Okay, in Judges 14, the first wife, she cried the whole seven days of the feast. This is his wedding feast. So on the seventh day, he finally told her because she continued to press him. And Judges 16, this is about Delilah. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. Now, Samson was not just sensitive with his eyes. He was also very sensitive to his ears. Now, I know there are some men who are like super anti-nagging. So much so that, oh, yeah, anything you want, just don't nag me, right? Okay? But this is a different thing, right? Because when he gave in to her, it wasn't just giving her a, a, a present or anything. It was him endangering his life. To tell her the truth about his secret, knowing that she already had a plot, was just madness. It was him because I think for him, he couldn't tahan. You see, Samson may be very strong, right? He's very strong outside. But maybe internally, he's very weak, right? Little bit, little bit also cannot tahan. Little bit nagging also, oh, cannot tahan. He was actually very weak internally, even though he was strong on the outside. And we look at Judges 15 verse 18. It says here, because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Now the context of this was, was, was when Samson had just finished a great battle and he was so thirsty. He was like, God, you know, I'm so thirsty. Do something. And as, as you read this, it kind of gives you an impression of Samson. That he, he's very brash, very abrasive. He's very... Fulfill my needs now. I want it now. I want it immediately. He sort of gives you that very, um, you know, very impatient sort of person. And his physical needs are so important above all things. Like if I want to drink, I want it now. And it just kind of reminds me a little bit about, you remember the story of Esau and Jacob? How Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of lentils? Well, it's a bit like that, right? It, it feels as if Samson was like, you know, I'll do anything. Just, just give me my water. And that's what Esau did. Very brash. Very about fulfilling their needs and their physical deeds there and then. And so Samson obviously had a very strong inclination to fulfill his fleshly needs. And he doesn't care about anything else beyond that. And so it's not very surprising that Samson also has a thirst for dangerous things. Obviously, you know, he has an appetite for women of the enemy camp. You know, even if it caused him problems, he was like, no, no problem. They are the enemy, but it's fine. I can be with their women. He, he likes these danger games. It, it feels as if he's a thrill seeker. You know, it feels as if he, he, he intentionally wants to go to the danger zone. You know, of all the women he could marry, he'd go and marry the enemy, the camp, right? And, and you know, even for the riddles uh, that he had. In Judges 15, you read how he taunts the Philistines on his, marriage, on his wedding feast. And he tells them, oh, if you can solve this riddle, um, you know, I'll give you this and that. And he, he vages a bet with them in some ways, right? And, and he knows it's, it's very dangerous to do that. This is the enemy. And yet he still wants to play these dangerous games with them. And of course, we know with Delilah, 
right? He knew that she was plotting something. I mean, it wasn't like once. It was three times she, she plotted something against him. And yet, he thought he was playing a game with her. And he had, you know, he really enjoyed that dangerous thing, right? He did not have the appetite for the things of God, even though he was a Nazarite. Instead, he had an appetite for the dangerous things, things that challenge him, right? And that, that's what I believe. The first step of his fall was the cravings that he had that were very dangerous. The cravings that were not of God, but was of his flesh, okay? What else do you think caused the fall of Samson? I believe that not just the last of his flesh, but I also believe it was the lies that Samson believed. In Judges 16 verse 20, it says, He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Just to give you context, this was what happened to Samson right after Delilah got someone to cut his hair and he thought, you know, I'm just going to go out, you know, and break myself free for like the fourth time. He thought, I will escape. But Delilah was obviously plotting against him. And so, you know, I wonder why. You know, after she, she tricked him so many times, why did he still tell her his secret? You know, why, why? Why was he crazy enough to tell her his secret? I believe it's because of the lies he believed. What do I mean by the lies he believed? Now, let's just try to picture ourselves in Samson's shoes. Let's just try to picture what kind of thoughts he had. I believe the sort of lies he had was this. I can sin and God will be fine. You see, for Samson, he presumed that at the time came, he would be able to break free because God was with him. He assumed God was still with him. And I, I think the problem with him was when he was busy defiling himself with a prostitute in Gaza, he managed to escape because God came true to him. So in his mind, he thought, you know what? I was busy defiling myself, but you know what? God still blessed me. I still have my supernatural strength. And, and, I, I, and I got away once. I will escape again. That was the lie he believed in. And sometimes it's very true for some of us. We do one sin and then we say, nothing bad happened lah, okay? Small thing lah. Maybe God let it go, you know, God, gracious God. Then we continue and then we get deeper and deeper into our sin. And sometimes it comes to the point where we, we are so bold, we push the envelope and we actually think that this God, uh, uh, very chin chai one, very apa apa also can, uh, holy, uh, what about holy? Doesn't matter, uh, I sin also, God's still blessing me. Uh, nothing happened to me also. All the bad people, all sin also, God's still bless them. And sometimes we think we can keep sinning and we'll get away with it. And I believe that's what Samson believed. And that's why, for him, he thought, you know, it doesn't matter, like, even if, uh, you know, Delilah, she tricked me many times, it's okay because I am going to be strong and I'm going to be able to escape again because God is on my side. And that was the mistake he believed in, all right? And there was another thing that he also believed in, which I believe was a lie, which he probably thought, I only need to keep certain laws of God. You see, Samson was a Nazarite, right? And for the Nazarites, one of the things that they can't do apart from not drinking alcohol, not touching dead bodies, is that they're not supposed to cut their hair. And we read, Samson is obviously very religious when it comes to his hair. 
Can you imagine he, no razor has ever touched his head since he was born. Can you imagine how long his hair would be? Can you imagine how smelly it would be? How inconvenient it would be? You know, I have this long hair and already is troublesome. I can just imagine his hair. Every time he walks, it's like, wow, it's like a trail, right? And, and he was very religious. He kept his hair. He's so, so he's very zealous about certain laws of God. And yet, on the other hand, he was very flippant with being consecrated to God. Obviously, you know, we read, he, he didn't mind going to a prostitute. He didn't mind intermarrying the Philistines, the uncircumcised, or, or he calls them uncircumcised, which means he thinks they aren't clean. And yet he's willing to marry from them. And obviously, um, we also heard last week, you know, um, he, he, he talked about, um, Pastor Aaron said, perhaps he also drank alcohol, right? He had a seven-day wedding feast. Perhaps he also drank alcohol. I'm not sure about that, but maybe. And of course, he also ate honey, from the lion's carcass, right? Not supposed to touch dead bodies. I don't know if it affects uh, animals too, but, but as you can tell, you know, he's transgressed so many of the other laws and yet he's very religious on the law of his hair. Some of us, we're very religious on certain things. Like, oh, cannot do this, cannot do that. Like, when we come to church, we talk a certain way, we laugh a certain way, and then we go to work, we're a different creature. Or maybe we're at home, we're a different creature. Some of us, we have different friends. We have the church friends where we play board games, sweet and nice. And then we have the other friends, the workmates, where we go out on, and we, we, we have fun um, and we have happy hours, right? So sometimes we almost have like a split personality because we compartmentalize God. So sometimes it's not just Samson, right? We look at Samson like, yo, why he's like that? Huh? But sometimes we do that too. And the problem is sometimes we think it's okay. And we think that it's okay to honor God one way and to then dishonor Him another way. Let me just say that God's mercy is not God's consent. And God's patience is not God's permission to sin. Let, it, let me just make it clear, right? For us, when we look at Samson, wow, he sinned so much, so much, so much, so much, all the way. And then only he's finally God left him. I believe that it is true that if we keep persisting in sin, one day God will leave us to our own folly and our own ways. But you know, when we sin, there are consequences. It's not like God just, you know, it's because God loves us that he's patient with us. So we should not exploit God's goodness and I believe that, that Samson, he exploited God's goodness. He knew that God's anointing was in his life. So he walked around thinking, ah, you know, I'm, you know, it's fine. And he exploited God's goodness and he suffered at the end of his life. Let, let me just make it clear. When you sin, yes, there is forgiveness, but sometimes we have to reap the consequences. And Samson suffered at the end of, the li of his life. And I, I believe he also suffered because of the lies he had about himself. You know, what are the lies that he had about himself? I bet he thought that I am invincible. I can live how I want without consequences. I think that's what was going on in Samson's mind. You know, can you imagine this guy? Um, he probably thought, you know, what if I tell Delilah my secret? No big deal. I'm invincible. I will get, a, get away with it. And he thinks he can live how he wants to live. And all this 
is because of the pride that he has, right? So the Bible says things like, you know, the lust of our eyes, the pride of, of life, all those, you know, they're not of God. They're of the world. And so we see Samson, you know, he had pride. He thought that he could do anything he wanted. And of course, another misguided lie that he had was that he thought his strength was his hair. Obviously, that's why he was so, so zealous in keeping his hair. But he was not zealous in all the other laws of God because he probably thought, ah, oh, the only need, thing I need to keep is my hair and then all will be fine. And that was the lie of his, that he believed that the strength that he had was his hair, was his, was his crown. He thought that was his crown, okay? So, so let me just make it clear. I don't think the hair was the reason why he was strong. The hair is merely a symbol of Samson's Nazarite standing with God. The hair was a, is symbolic of the fact that he was consecrated to God and therefore he was, that's for God's anointing was upon him, the strength that God gave him. And the hair is not the one that is causing him to be strong. And how do I get that? Well, if you read in Judges 15, verse 18 to 20, it gives you a little insight about Samson's strength. Now, I'm going to read it, right? It says here, Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned, and he was revived. Now, wait a minute. Did Samson cut his hair here? No, right? Samson did cut his hair, but yet his strength left him. It was God who provided the water that revived him. Now, does that mean that the water is the strength? No, the water is not the strength. God is the source of the strength. The water is just part of what God gives to give him his strength. And you know, when we read about it, um, a lot of us think that, you know, um, Samson's hair is the reason why he is strong. And let me just remind you, it is not Samson's hair, but God was the one that made him strong. Okay, so, so this is something that Samson believed. These were the lies that he believed in. And I, I believe that actually attributed to the fall of Samson. Maybe today, let us reflect, what are some of the lies that we believe in? Now, Samson had a lot of lies that he believed in. He had an overinflated view of himself. But maybe some of us, we are the opposite of Samson. We have a very underflated, I don't know if there's such thing, very inflated view of ourselves. We, we think of ourselves very small. We're not significant. You know, whatever I do don't matter. You know, um, yeah, my life is just, just insignificant. And, and we live life very boring, very flippant, very unbothered because we think no big deal. Whatever I do is just me. It doesn't cause anybody any problem. And that may be some of the lies that we believe in. Sometimes we believe in lies that, you know, I'm not good enough and therefore I'm not going to step out in faith because I'm not good enough. And sometimes these are sort of the lies that we believe in. And, you know, even as I crafted this question and I put it there to say, what are some of the lies that we believe in? I chuckled to myself because I was like, if it was a lie, then the people obviously won't know, right? Obviously, it's a lie. The whole idea is to deceive us, and therefore, how would you know it's a lie, right? And the only way we can know it's a lie is only if you ask God. 
It's only if you humble yourself and you ask God earnestly and you let the Holy Spirit search your heart and the Word of God tell you that your life, you're living contrary to the Word of God. And that's the only way we can tell whether we believe in the lies of the enemy. Now, even for myself, um, I also believe in the lies of the enemy and it grips me sometimes. And, and I'll just tell you a very recent story of how I felt very rebuked um, by God because I believed in the lie, okay? Uh, um, so I'm not sure if most of you realize, but um, today is my first time preaching as a pastor. So I'm very new. <laughs> um, very new. Only one and a half months ago, I became a pastor, okay? Um, and I've been in SIBKL for uh, 20 plus years, and I've been working full-time in the SIBKL office for 12 years. So 12 years is always a very significant number. And um, for the longest time, Pastor Lee Chu is always saying, so when, uh, when, uh, when, when do you think you want to be pastor? And I always say, no, 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 no calling. Didn't hear anything from God. Um, uh, but the truth is, yes, I, I didn't hear the calling because I also didn't want to hear. Um, it was also because I actually have this misconception, or should I say lie that I believe in? So one of my struggles about being a pastor is that it's because of my kids. Um, I don't know how many of you have heard of this term called PK. They call them pastor's kids. Well, there's a stigma around it. When people say your child is PK, it means your pastor's kids. It means your children are most probably uh, extra rebellious, messed up, and got all kinds of problems. So have, being a pastor's kids, you always, you know, I always worry if, you know, already my husband is a pastor, then the mother also a pastor, poor children of mine, they're, they're double, double PK, you know. And, and I was very fearful that my kids will be messed up, you know. And I thought that maybe if I stayed at home, you know, don't, 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 do too much, just do just enough and, and just work and, and just be with my children. I will lead them to Christ. I will bring them to Christ. And you know, even as I was reflecting, 12 years I've been here, and then God said to me, okay, in this 12 years that you worked in SIBKL, have I ever shortchanged you? And I was like thinking, okay, in 12 years I was here, what happened to me? Well, I got married in the 12 years. I found my spouse in the office. Um, apart from that, um, people are not cheering me. They think it's a bad idea. But, but, but it's good. I, I married well, okay? I married well. Um, and not only did I had my children, right? And the most recent thing that I had was that my parents, you know, I've been praying for them for so long. In this 12 years, they came to know Jesus Christ. They accepted the Lord. Within the 12 years of me working in SIBKL, and this is where I heard God say, if I can take care of your parents, do you think that my hand is too short to take care of your children? Are, are you saying, do you have no faith that if I can take care of your parents, that I can't take care of your children as well? And I was like, wow, I really felt the rebuke of God. I felt like it's true. I, I lack the faith to believe that God will take care of my children. I was more worried that they'll be PK, PK, messed up. And, and I was like thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I, can, I can be the one that saves them. I can be the one that makes them good Christian children. But it's not me. It's not my strength. It's not my ability. It's not my parenting skills or, or how good I am as a parent. It is God at the end of the day. It is God. And if God says, I can take care of your parents, don't you believe that I can also take care of your children? 
And wow, when I heard that, I was like, oh yes, God, um, I'm sorry, I lack faith. I will believe, you know, that you will take care of my children. And, and it's still a part of me was, you know, a bit unsettled. You know, I felt like, wow, you know, it, it's a heavy burden to move pastoral. You know, I, I was thinking all the things my children will have to go through or, or maybe the struggles that I had. And God says that, believe that I will take care of your family. And, and you know what? He says, if you don't do it, if you don't move the next level, you are going to be very stagnant in your faith. Is that what you want? If you don't step out, it's been 12 years you work in SIBKL, and if you refuse to step out in faith, I don't know how long you're going to stay in that faith of yours. How long will your faith stagnate? And I said to God, God, I don't want to be like the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In 12 years, yes, God, I'm going to answer the call and I am going to take it up because it matters. You know, and I believe that even as pastoral, it matters that I take this position because it's not about just my children, but it's about everybody's children as well. It's about the generation. It's about bringing the Word of God to people. And that's what matters to me. And I don't just want my children to know Jesus. I want many other people's children to know Jesus. And that's why I said I will take it up. Even though I know it will be tough. But that is where, you know, sometimes we can be so shackled by the, by the lies of the enemy. And I, today, I just want to tell you, you know, actually, after I, I repented of having the lack of faith, I realized that actually I met a lot of PKs, a lot of pastor's kids, and they're amazing. They're serving God. They're worshiping God. I know so many of them, you know, they're managing a few of names. They, they're actually pastor's children, and they're loving God, and they're serving God. It was my view that was wrong. It was the lies that I believe in. And it's true, I rebuked. I say to, to, I told God, I say, no, I rebuilt the lie that pastor's children will be messed up. I rebuilt that lie and I believe that my children will love God because they see me loving God too. And that is the truth that I want to see. You know, it says, teach your children, your, your generation, the next about the love of God. And that's what I want to do. And I don't want to believe in the lies of the world that says, if your children are PKs, they're going to be messed up. I rebuke that lie. And I hope that some of you, maybe you have lies that you believe in. I just even want to pray that each and every one of you will go home, think about it, and ask the Holy Spirit, are there things, any lies in my life that I believe? And let the Holy Spirit search you so that you can be released into the light and not stay in the darkness like how I was for a good time, right? So even today, let me just pray that each and every one of us will be set free from the lies of the enemy, but we will wrestle with God on the truth and we will walk in obedience. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So, you know, the fall of Samson was because of the lust of flesh. Everyone say lust of flesh. Because of the lies he believed. And the third one, it was due to a lack of vision. Now, I believe Samson fell because of a lack of decision. Now, you know, after all the lies you believe in, after a while, you start to lack in vision. You start to see things wrongly. You start to lack in judgment. And when you lack in judgment, you start making very bad decisions in your life. And I, I believe that that's what happened to Samson. It was like, you know, I was just thinking to myself, uh, 
not just three times Delilah cheated him, right? Tricked him, right? Even his first wife also tricked him. Four times already he got tricked. Still cannot see. Uh. Is he blind? Uh? I was thinking, either he's blind or not so smart, uh, right? And I was thinking, wow, you know, maybe he's blind. Can't he see that it's a trap that he's going into? But perhaps he, he had too much pride to see that. You know, he was, he, he thought, you know, the women are ah, so weak, harmless. Uh. So maybe that's why he ran into the trap. So bad judgments because of the lies he believed in. But I think the more dangerous part, not just that he couldn't see the trap that he was walking into, it was that he lacked vision for the direction of his life. Do you know that it was prophesied before he was born that he would be the leader of the Israelites? It says here in Judges 13 verse 5, he says, this was said to his mom, okay? You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So it has been prophesied since he's young. It's not like he didn't know his direction. He didn't know his call. He knew his call. Can you imagine, you know, everywhere in, the, in his, his kampong, when he walked around in his hometown, everyone would say, oh, that's the chosen one. He's the one that's going to deliver all of us. And he probably walked around knowing that was his call, that he was going to lead. It wasn't just that he was going to help them. He was going to lead and deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. But instead... We see him walking aimlessly. We see him walking carelessly. We see him walking recklessly. And unfortunately, only until the end of his life, when he was finally captured by the Philistines and enslaved, and his eyes were gotched out, did he finally pray to God in humility. In Judges 16, 28, Samson prays this. He says, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge of the Philistines for my two eyes. Only until the end of his life did he finally pray to God in humility. The first time you heard him talking to God, it was very abrasive, right? He was like, did you bring me here to die? I'm very thirsty. That's how he talked to God. But this time, you see a different posture. Finally, he, he, he addresses God as sovereign Lord because he finally recognized who God was. And the sad part is, Samson had to lose his eyes before he finally saw, right? And, and the, the whole irony was, it was his eyes that stumbled him in the first place. And so it was only when he was blind, he could finally see that his true strength and his purpose in life was always from God himself. And that the source that he has is from God. Not his hair. You know, that can just be cut off. But what was his true strength? It was God himself. And he finally realized that. So why did Samson fall? It was the last of flesh. It was the lies he believed in. It was his lack of vision. And finally, Samson fell because he lost his position. What am I talking about? What position did he lose, right? I believe Samson lost three positions in his life. The first one, everyone knows he's a Nazarite, right? He's someone consecrated to God. And you see Samson, he was like pushing the buttons, 
you know, he was transgressing the laws one after another. And I think that at the final part, when his hair was cut, was the final straw. And then God left him. I don't think God left him just because he cut his hair. I believe God gave him many chances, many chances after another chance. He transgressed one law after another, and the last straw was when he finally cut his hair, denying his symbol of consecrating and relationship with God. And that is when God left him. And so his special relationship with God was lost when he cut his hair. He lost his position as a Nazarite. Apart from losing his position as a Nazarite, he also lost his position as a leader to the Israelites. And we read here in Judges 13 to 5, it says, we've read this before, it says, he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Wow, that was what he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the leader to get rid of the Philistines and to deliver Israel. But what did he lose? He wasn't just not the leader of the Israelites. He actually became a slave to the Philistines. And instead of taking care and protecting the, Philist the Israelites, he was actually endangering them. And what do I mean by he was endangering them? In Judges 15 verse 11, it says here, Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Etam and said to Samson, Don't you realize that the Philistines are ruler over us? What have you done to us? Judah, the people are his Israelite brothers. And they're coming to him and saying, what is wrong with you? Because of your fight with the Philistines, your revenge and all these things, it's causing a problem to us. Instead of delivering us from the Philistines, you're endangering us. And you know what the people of Judah did? They gave him up to the Philistines, to the enemy. And so instead of delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines, he was delivered into the Philistine hands by the Israelites. Isn't it, isn't it sad? Isn't it tragic? He lost his position as a leader of the Israelites. And, and to make matters worse, he didn't just lose his position as a Nazarite, he lost his position as a leader of the Israelites, he also lost his male leadership. Now, I know some people say they don't know if, if Delilah was actually married to Samson, but most scholars believe that he, she was merely a mistress, okay? But, but it is clear in his relationship with her, instead of leading her, she led him. Delilah led Samson. Who wore the pants? I think Delilah wore the pants. She was the one who decided what to happen. You know, and the, the irony of it is when you hear the name Delilah, Delilah, some scholars believe, the name actually means delicate. It actually means weak. So she's supposed to be delicate and weak. And here, he's supposed to be the strong one. And yet, she is the one who's, who makes the decision. She is the one who tells what happens. She is the one who ends up being very rich because she gets paid by the Philistines. And he ends up being very sad, very a slave with his eyes gorged down. Can you see the contrast? She gets away with it and she has big wins and he is a slave to the Philistines. And you know, it's very sad because if you don't guard your position, you lose it. You let the enemy take over. He didn't guard his position. He didn't guard his leadership. He couldn't even lead himself, right? He can't even lead himself. He's a slave. He doesn't even have authority over his own life now. 
he couldn't lead himself. And because of that, someone else led him. And it was a woman who was said to be weak and delicate. And he's supposed to be the strong one. And so he lost his position. And he didn't guard it. And that is why we should never abdicate our position. We should never, you know, just let someone else take the position. Because if you do, the enemy will take that position. And they make mockery of who God is. Do you see what happened at the end? The, the Philistines, they were, they were celebrating to their gods and they were making a mockery, saying, oh, our gods delivered us. And, and you know, it's actually a slap to God's face. It's like saying, and, and sometimes when we lose our position as Christians, we actually mock God. And so we should not just lose our position. When we lose our position, we lose a lot of things. One of the things that we lose is that we lose protection. And you can see that in Samson's life. You know, if you read Judges 15 to 14, it's like a John Wick story, right? There are like a thousand people coming against him and he won first, like, wow, he killed all of them. It's like, wow, very supernatural, his strength, right? It's like those John Wick shows. And why? Because he had the protection of the Lord. That's why he could overcome even though there were so many after him. But apart from just losing God's protection, he also lost, obviously, his power and authority. You know, he lost his authority. He lost his authority all his life. He became a slave. He was so pitiful. From a leader, he became a slave. And I guess that's what happens when you lose your position. You not just lose your protection, power, authority, you also lose your influence. When you hear the story of Samson and Delilah, who do you think was the true influencer? Who do you think had the true influence in this story? It was Delilah. She was the one that was the true influence. She was the one that dictated what would happen. And you know, Sometimes, you know, the Bible doesn't say anything about Delilah except for that's her name, Delilah. It doesn't even tell, you know, she has the skills, she has that skills. It doesn't say anything about her except that, you know, that she was capable of influencing Samson to do what she wanted him to do. And I know some of us were like, oh, this Delilah is so terrible, you know, she's horrible and everything. But can you imagine, imagine if Delilah was an influencer for God. Can you imagine who Samson would be? Samson would be mighty, he would be strong. He wouldn't be the man that he is today. If, if, if only Delilah was for God, I believe Samson would be a different person today. And, and you know, you don't have to search too far. Sometimes we think of, um, you know, the leaders in our countries and we think of their spouses. You know, sometimes the spouses can really bring you down, right? Sometimes the spouses, right, are the ones that bring you down to destruction. All the spouses are the ones that bring you up and encourage you to, to run the race, right? And, and so what was the secret weapon that Delilah had? Apart from the fact that she's female and probably good looking. Well, you know, the, the Bible never says that Samson saw Delilah and loved her. It just says Samson loved her. So maybe, not sure whether she was a looker or not, right? Not sure, right? So, but, but what was her secret weapon? And I believe this is her secret weapon. So you look at verse 10 and verse 13. This is what she says. This is when she was playing that game with him about, you know, tell me the truth about your strength. And then this is what, you know, he says, she says to him. In verse 10, she says, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. And in verse 13, she says almost the same thing and nothing happens. But watch this. In verse 15, she adds on this part. She goes, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? That, I believe, is a secret weapon. 
You know, maybe some of you say, the nagging, the nagging was the secret weapon. But I believe why she used those words is because she knew her position in Samson's life. She knew the authority she had over Samson because she was the love of his life. She knew the privilege that she had with Samson in this relationship. She knew that she was the love of life and therefore she knew that she had the uppercut in the relationship. She knew she had the trump card that she could say this and it would get him to do what she wanted because she knew she was loved by Samson. And she knew her authority as the person of Samson's life. How many of us know, as children of God, that we are loved by God, that we have the authority as sons and daughters, but some of us, even though we know we are loved, even though we know that we have authority and power, like what Jesus said in the Bible, that all of us would have authority, but we use only a very portion of our influence and our authority and our power. Instead, Sometimes we shrink back from taking the authority, that position that God has given us and we let the enemy take our position and wreak havoc. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is saying that I've given you so much authority. And for some of us, we should not live life where we are so afraid. You know, for, for, for Delilah, she had very reason to be afraid of Samson. He's so strong, right? One wrong move, he could just wipe her out, you know, just break her neck or whatever. But yet she was very daring, not just once, but many times, three times she went up to him and she plotted against him because she was bold and she took authority. She took the power that she had in her hands. And we need to take that power as children of God. We need to take power as Christians. Do you know that God has given us power and authority? If you are sick, don't just let yourself be sick. Oh, I'm so sad, I'm miserable, I'm sick. Take authority and say, Jesus, I will be healed. Declare that I will be healed even though I'm sick. If you are struggling with sin, don't just be like, oh, I'm struggling in sin, I'm languishing at home. But take authority and say, sin will have no hold over me, that Jesus came to set me free. And that I will be free indeed because Jesus, the Son, has come to set me free. And declare, declare all this. And if you are always grappling with fear and anxiety, declare this over your life. That the, that the Father, the Spirit of God came to give us, did not come to give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-control. Brothers and sisters, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, and self-control. And if we don't exercise this authority, we will let the enemy take over our lives. And I believe that God says, you know what? I want you to rule over the earth. What was the original mandate that God gave from the very beginning when he created human beings? He says, I want you to rule over the earth. And we need to rule because if we don't rule, we let the enemy take control. So be an influencer for God. You know, sometimes we think, ah, yeah, very small, ah, no big deal. But every voice matters. You know, we just voted not too long ago, right? Every single vote matters. Every single voice matters. Every single one of you seated in that seat matters. Every one of you is an influencer. If you are a parent here today, you're influenced your children. Did you know that? You're an influencer. 
And, and, and if you're a child here, you're also an influencer to your parents. In fact, these days, young children have more influence over their parents, right? They tell their parents, I want to sleep now, and then the parents, they follow their timetable. No longer, it's the other way around. Parents, children have a lot of influence over their parents. And if you are, you know, working in the workplace, you have influence. Don't just complain about the, the, the workplace being horrible and everything. You have influence. Even though you are one person, you can influence the place that you're in, your workplace. And if you are married, obviously, you have influence over your spouse. If you're here with your spouse, look at each other and say, I have influence over you, okay? You have influence over each other. And you can either influence them positively or you can influence them negatively like what Delilah did. And never underestimate the power of influence. Do you know that influence is so important that even Jesus, when he was on the way to the cross, he actually told his disciples, he says, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die in a few days' time. And Peter, being the friend of Jesus, said, far be it from you, Jesus. I will never let that happen. And do you know what Jesus said to him? Jesus said, very sharply, he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You do not have the things of God, but you are a stumbling block to me. And sometimes we can say things to each other even though well-meaning, we end up being a stumbling block. Can you imagine? Even P Jesus is saying that, Peter, you, you are a stumbling block to me because I have a mission that I have to fulfill. Even though in the eyes of the world, it may seem crazy for me to go and get killed. But I have a mission and a vision for God's plans. So some of us, I encourage you, don't just look at the physical, don't just discourage people, but encourage people to, to, to live in the fullness of God to pursue what God wants them to pursue. And don't be an influencer that tears down. Be an influencer that builds each person up. Amen. Tell the next person, you are an influencer. Amen. Amen. We are all influencers, okay? After we go out, we influence each other, okay? And we can also do that via social media. Do you know what you post on social media? That's also an influence, right? And, and now you know that it's the month of December. You've heard that there is an invitation for Christmas. You are an influencer. Go and invite your friends. Influence them to come. I'm sure we can all do that, right? Simple things we can do to influence one another. The fall of Samson, brothers and sisters, was because of the lust of the flesh, was because of the lies he believed in, the lies about God, the lies about himself, and because he lacked vision. Not just vision for what are things in front of him, but the vision for God's purpose in his life. And he also fell because there was a loss of position. You know, I know it sounds very sad, and you know it's Christmas, December, it's supposed to be a happy thing, and it's all negative all the way because it's all by his fall. But praise be to the Lord, the story doesn't end bad, okay? God's plans can never be thwarted. That, you know, as God prophesied from early on, He prophesied that Samson will eventually deliver Israel. That He will lead them. And He does. And we read in Judges 16 verse 30, Then He pushed with all His might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus, he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Samson eventually came back to his purpose. He eventually found back his position. He eventually saw what God wanted him to see. 
he saw and he realized that his strength is from God. That the true source of strength is from God. You know, I know some of us here, we may not be as sad as Samson. We may not have our eyes gorged out. But some of us feel like we've made mistakes. We've caused our lives to be a little messed up. And we feel like, I've made mistakes. And I'm in a horrible mess right now. But I just want to assure you that God, no matter how bad you think it is, Samson was in prison, he was engorged, it seemed like he couldn't do anything anymore. But he still had a glimmer of hope because God is a God of mercy and redemption. And you know that even though Samson died and he had all, he failed and he, we said that he fell, but do you know in Hebrews, he's actually considered as one of the people of faith, that God recognized him as one of the men of faith that led the children of Israel. Why? Because he did understand the true source of his strength at the end of the day is not just the physical strength, but it is about being yielded to the Lord. And he yielded to the Lord. And I want to say to you today, maybe some of you are going through very hard times. You know, I just spoke to someone quite recently whose father passed away very suddenly, so sudden. And I asked her, how are you doing? And instead of saying, you know, I'm grieving or whatever, she says, you know, I am, I'm trying to be strong. I'm trying to be strong for my mom because she's devastated that her husband passed away so suddenly. And life is like that, so fragile. One day, happy, and then suddenly, all goes. And I just want to tell you that sometimes we feel like we need to be strong the way the world sees it as. But that's not how God sees it as. Do you know when Jesus walked to the cross, when he nailed on the cross to the world, to the eyes of the enemy, it looks as if he was very weak, stuck in the cross there, weak. Our Savior is dead. But I want to assure you that that is probably the strongest act that he has done. And because of that act of Jesus on the cross, weak, he can be strong. And so God says today, if you feel weak, and if you feel like I need the strength of God, I need the supernatural strength of Samson that God gives, ask of God because He will give. As children of God, I believe God will give if you ask Him for His strength, if you humble and yield yourself to God and ask Him. Maybe some of you need strength because you're a caretaker. Maybe you're taking care of sick people in your family and then you're tired. Or maybe you have financial burdens and you're the sole breadwinner in your house and you have to hold the burden of the strength of the family. You have to take care of all your siblings and your family. And sometimes you feel so tired and you don't have the strength to move on. Or maybe some of you have walked away from God and you don't have the strength to come back to God. You feel like, I, I can't. I don't have the strength to push through. I don't have the strength to move forward. Or maybe God is calling you to a higher purpose. Maybe God wants you to venture into something that is out of your comfort zone. And you say, I don't have the strength. I can't do it, Lord. But you know what the Lord says? He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Hallelujah. Now I'm just going to get you all to stand up. Just rise to your feet. 
And even as you know, it's the year end and we're reflecting, if there's any one of you who feels, I need that supernatural strength of God, I need God to come into my life. I want to be yielded to God and I want to receive the living water of Jesus to be revived by the Father, by His living water. I just even want to encourage you to come forward so that you can be prayed by the pastors in front. And even as we're going to sing the song, I want you to just think, maybe you need that supernatural strength. You have been going at it with all your own strength, with all your own mighty power. But God says today, release it and let the Lord be your true source of strength. And if that's you, I just want to give you an opportunity to come forward. Like Samson, be brave. Come forward and say, Lord, I'm yielded to you and I need your strength because I need that strength towards the end of the year and to start my year well. Let us all just even prepare ourselves and say to the Lord, I want your strength. Hallelujah. Even as I, I pray, Father Lord, maybe some of you are going through marital problems and you're trying to be strong in your relationship. You're trying to fix it. I don't know why I feel like maybe you're being called, that you're trying to be strong in your relationship, in your marriage, but it's crumbling and you've tried always. Let me just encourage you that it's not the strength of what you do, but it's God coming into your marriage. And I just want to prophesy that if you feel weak and you're at the end of the road, I want to prophesy that the Lord will bring strength into your marriage, that your marriage will grow from strength to strength, that your marriage will be a strong marriage so that your family ties will be strong. When your marriage is strong, your relationship with your children will be strong, your family will be strong. And that is the will of God to see strong families, to see strong communities, to see a strong nation. And it all starts in your marriage, in your family. So I just even want to prophesy that Lord Jesus, that you strengthen every marriage here. Father Lord, if it's weak, if it's going through fractures and there is a break in the relationship, there is a break in the marriage, I say Lord Jesus that it is your strength that will mend it. That Lord, Father Lord, that they will yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. They will yield and submit to one another in love. And that Lord Jesus, that you will bring reconciliation in the marriage and you will strengthen their marriage. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I just want to pray for each and every one here. That Lord, that even as it comes to the end of the year, that they do not need to be strong in the eyes of the world, but they will have inner strength. They will be strong internally. They will have strong and strength to push to the end of the year and to start the year fresh and strong. For the Word of God says that Lord, I come to bless you, to give you life abundantly. And I have plans to prosper you and not to give you a hope and a future. And I prophesy that Lord Jesus, that every single person, even online, even as they're feeling doubts about their strength, they're feeling tired, that Lord Jesus, you will revive them, Lord Jesus, that you will give them supernatural strength as you have given Samson. And the plans of God in their lives will never be thwarted that the will of God will accomplish whatever that it needs to accomplish because God you are a God of mercy you're a God in control and you are a God who cares thank you Father Lord now separate us now with the love of the Father with the fellowship of the Son and the love of Jesus Christ in Jesus name we pray Amen
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, everybody. Service is over. If you are new to the service, new to church, you can go down to the hospitality, one floor down, to get to know us better. And if you are online and you're new and you've tuned in for the first time, don't forget to log on to the link and just type in your name and get to know us. Thank you, everybody. God bless. See you again.